Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's a little bit later in the day than we usually have our show. But I'm your host, Donna Lyons, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. And today I have the most incredible guest who has such – his life stories are insane. I was talking to him on the phone and just kind of blown away by the people he's met in his career and what he's doing now and where he's traveled. His name is Andy McBride, and he's a former pro football soccer player. And I say football because obviously in Europe they call it football. Here we call it soccer. Maybe Andy can answer that question for us. Um, curious as to know why. Anyways, he was drafted from high school straight into the professional football ranks at the age of 16. He spent three years on youth and reserve teams before playing a total of five league and cup first team games in 73. He spent three more years in South Africa playing in the NFL, the National Football League, and was a member of the first division championship team in 1977. He played in one of the first ever multiracial matches in the national stadium and that i would like to find out more about as well uh that's be very interesting i'm sure in 1978 he signed for the california surf in the north american soccer league based at anaheim stadium where he lived in newport beach and that's where andy and i met each other the first time that was so many years ago we were just kids and all our friends hung out together Um, In 81, he played for the Pittsburgh Spirit in the major indoor soccer league. He also worked for Jose Feliciano. And I've seen one of his pictures. He's hanging out with Rod Stewart. So I'm sure he's got quite a few stories to tell, and we're going to bring him on without further ado. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Donna. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so excited because wonderful Facebook. I found you through Facebook quite a while ago and we've been Facebook friends for a while, but we've known each other. I mean, Oh my God, if we go back age wise, 30 some years, (laughs) when you played for the California surf and we had so many mutual friends, but you're, I really want to start from when you were a child because one of the things you sent me in your bio was that you were born in Kenya and you lived on a game reserve and you went to boarding school at the age of six. Was was that normal there, to go to school at the age of six, boarding school? Well, yes, it was, because we lived so far away, and we lived um, on, you know, on a dirt road miles and miles and miles away from everyone. So to get into the city for us was a two-hour drive at least. So um, we lived outside of Mombasa at one stage. So I actually uh, I took a train when I was six years old with my older brother, and we went to boarding school in Nairobi. And uh, it was quite interesting because in boarding school, you have to make your own bed. You have to tidy your clothes, which most kids don't even do today, as you know. So it was a, right. it was a very, very strict experience, but a, a very, uh, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the, uh, the experience. Oh, at six years old, you had to miss your mom, your parents. I mean, like it had to be difficult to be away from family. Well, yes, it was. But it's funny, once you get there, you know, boarding school, because I was always about sports, of course. So, uh, you know, you study hard. They're very strict about studying. But um, all your spare time, you play a lot of sports. And, you know, so that's what I was all about, you know. So I, uh, I I loved it. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, and I'm sure it taught you a lot. It's probably the reason you were so good at soccer, too. I mean, I think having a strict upbringing teaches you a lot of things, and you can bring that into life later on. And you completed primary school in Mombasa, and then you went to high school in the U.K. Yes. And then from there, you were a member of the Air Training Corps, where you were a sergeant. Tell us a little bit about that. Um. Well, that's interesting because uh, they call it ROTC here. But uh, So I joined the Air Training Corps. Uh, I was very involved in sports in high school in England. And unlike America, where you can really commit to one or two sports, I played like seven sports and still had time to be in the Air Training Corps. So um, we, you know, we had fun. We would go to camps. We'd go to Air Force bases. Um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd go to firing ranges and shoot weapons. We'd go gl- uh, flying gliders. So it, it was a lot of fun, and I really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the structure, and when I was getting towards the stage where I was getting ready to start to look at what I was going to do after high school, funnily enough, you know, being a professional soccer player was top of my list. But uh, my second choice was to go into the military. So, uh, it, you know, it was it played a, a, a factor in you know some of the choices I wanted to make later in life. So. Well, and then um, you, you and I have talked, too, before about your love for the military and coming from a military family. You know, we've discussed all the um, things that you've been able to do with the USO and stuff, and I want to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but you were drafted from high school at 16. Yes. Hmm. Tell us about that. Well, well, the experience has changed now, but what they did back in my day, um, each team in England and the in the first and I believe second division, which is now called the Premier League, I think it was 16 players that you could sign that would be 16 years old. And they would be in your under 17, under 18 teams. So what you did, you made, and I'll tell you what I made, I made uh, seven pounds a week, which was probably like $12 a week. And um, you would go to practice, same place that the first team practiced and the second team. And then after lunch, when everybody went home, 16 of us, our responsibilities were to clean the stadium. So if there were 45,000 people there on a Saturday, on Monday afternoon, we cleaned that stadium with brooms. So that, that was, a, it was a good experience, you know, teaching you to appreciate working hard. And then the other chores, we had to clean the changing rooms and we had to uh, uh, clean the, you know, the first team players' boots, or you call them soccer shoes. Uh, so it was, uh, it was disciplined and it was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. It was hard work. And it, it kind of gives you a good base to work from when you talk about work ethic. So it, for me, it was a great experience. I know. We talk about work ethic now with the kids, and they're like, what? Work? Because we spoil our kids so badly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I'm sure you probably do, too, because you have beautiful children, by the way. And uh, yeah. it's kind of fun to spoil them. But I think it, yeah, I think work ethics have changed as far as uh, how we all see what they should be. Uh, with our kids now. Um, you spent three more years in South Africa playing in the NFL. What was that like playing in that first multiracial game at that stadium? Tell me about well, that. Because well, I didn't even know about this until I read your bio. Well, the, the experience was, um, was quite amazing because what happened, I got injured in England, and part of my rehab was to go to Cape Town and play for Hellenic, which was the Greek team. There's two big teams in Cape Town. So I was just turning 20, and I went down on loan, and I liked it so much in South Africa. I stayed there actually for four seasons. So I had one season in Cape Town and three in Johannesburg. First of all, Cape Town is the most beautiful 
city in the world, in my opinion. So going there was wonderful. Uh, at that time, unfortunately, it was during apartheid. So, you know, uh, it was a white league and there was an Indian league and there was a black league. So we had three leagues playing at the same time. And then uh, we won the uh, Coca-Cola Shield my first year. And then I went up to Johannesburg. And then on my last year in Johannesburg, I played for the team that won the league. And that year, we started to bring in uh, multiracial games. So one of the very first games was the top team in our league against the top team in in, in the African League. And we played each other at the national stadium. So uh, the atmosphere was amazing. The camaraderie amongst the players was great. I already knew most of those guys anyway. So it was a step in the right direction. And I was very happy to be part of that. It was a, it was a great moment. That's incredible. I can't, I can't imagine that had to be very, very cool. And then from there, you went to California in 1978. You signed with the California yes. Surf. What was the reasoning behind leaving where you were going to California? Was, did somebody come look for you, or was it something you decided you wanted to go to the United States? Tell me about that. Well, it was a combination of the two, of the two really. So I went back to England. Uh, because I was still only 24 years old and, you know, I wanted to play in England. Um, and then at the time, I didn't really know much about the North American Soccer League. The only thing I knew is that Pelé was playing in it. So for those of you who don't know, he's the most famous soccer player of all time from Brazil. So uh, one of the coaches uh, contacted me and said, would you come to Anaheim, California? Of course, I'd never heard of it. And uh, so I, I had a friend of mine that played with me at Crystal Palace and we both decided Let's go for it. So we, we, we flew out and um, went to Anaheim Stadium. Of course, now we were impressed. We realized we're, we're next to Disneyland. We're in Orange County, which is amazing. Playing at Anaheim Stadium, which is a great stadium. And uh, what, 10, 15 miles from the beaches in Newport Beach, Huntington Beach. So uh, we suddenly realized if we could make the team, we'd hit the jackpot. So we tried out and we successfully <laughs> made the team. And, uh, and I, you know, as you know, I lived in Orange County for, 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 for many years and I lived down uh, in Newport Beach and, and other places and I, you know, I loved it. It was wonderful. Yeah, we were talking about some of the people we hung out with and um, I remember, and I was telling you, I remembered a guy you hung out with named Keith, but he played on the league with you as well, right? Yes, he did, yes. Yeah, that was crazy. We, and we all used to hang out at La Ritz in Newport Beach. I love that <laughs> Oh my God, I love I that place. Yes, I don't even know if it's still there, but I loved it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's not there anymore. But those, I wonder what happened to those guys that owned it. They were hilarious. Yeah, no, those were, well, those were fun times, and those were the times. It was kind of the um, Saturday Night Fever era. I don't know if you remember. So it was fun to go out. It was fun to go to clubs. It was fun to listen to the music. Right. It was a, it was a great time. It really was. It really was such a great, and it's such a great place to grow up. I mean, I was so blessed to grow up in Southern California. It really was just a great place. And then you stayed there for a while, and then you, in '81, you went to Pittsburgh Spirit in the yes, um, indoor soccer league. So, what was that well, change for? I mean, what 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 happened to make that change? Well, they they started indoor soccer with the. North American Soccer League as well. So they had an outdoor season and an indoor season. And I, I like the indoor. It was fun. It's, it's, you know, it's the same size as an ice hockey arena, but they put AstroTurf down and they have the walls and they have a smaller goal. So I took to it quite well. So um, the, the, the coach from Pittsburgh asked me to go there. And uh, I've got to tell you, living in Pittsburgh, it's a great city. And it's a great city if you're an athlete. They really love their sports there and they really know their sports. So 
I only had one year there, but I had a very enjoyable year. I loved the people. I loved the city. I loved the vibe. It was a, that was a very good experience too. So I was kind of blessed. I've, along the way, I've had many experiences and, and that was another one of them. And I really enjoyed that one too. So. Now that was that the last year that you played professional? Yes, I kind of, yes, full-time professional, yes. That was the, kind of the end. Because what happened was um, the, the the North American Soccer League kind of downsized for a while, so they took some teams away. And, you know, so I decided to uh, to move on. Right. And then, well, and then you had to do something even cooler. You worked for Jose Feliciano as a tour manager, and you were actually well, invited by the Pentagon to tour Korea with the USO. So oh, yes. you have to tell us all about that. What a great time that must have been. Well, I'll, I'll, I, I, something else happened before that, actually. The first thing was, is when you're a professional athlete, and it's changed now, and also the players make such huge amounts of money that if they've had 10 years or 8 years or 5 years, they're pretty much set for life. Well, we, you know, that wasn't the case when I played. And the other thing is, when you're 16 and you become an athlete, professional athlete, you have no clue about what you, you, you you just live for the day. You never think about tomorrow. So when the day finally came where, you know, the career was basically over, it, it was tough, you know. I mean, I didn't go into a depression or anything. I just didn't do anything for about a year. So um, right. So fin- finally, I, I bumped into a good friend of mine up in, uh, I went to see the Frank Sinatra concert at the Universal Amphitheater. And there was a lady there that owned a nightclub in Los Angeles and a um, very exclusive nightclub. And she said, I have Joan Rivers uh, doing a workshop four to six nights a month, would you come and be her assistant for those four nights every month? So I actually started by working with Joan Rivers. And um, Joan, when you see her on TV, she comes over as maybe being a little crass and, uh, you know, overpowering, but she's actually in person, uh, uh, was a wonderful, wonderful person. So I did that for a few months. And uh, while I was doing that, uh, they had a concert at the same venue and it was Jose Feliciano. And here's the interesting part. I don't know if I told you this, and I don't want to run on too long, but I'll tell you what happened. I, uh, they asked me if I could help work the room, you know, help organize everything. So they had about 250 people in there, and Jose Feliciano played, and I knew him from when I was a kid because he had with a song called Light My Fire, which was number one in the UK. And um, during the concert, his wife and their entourage left and went outside for a few minutes and they came back in and I went over to make sure they were okay. And, you know, I got them something to drink and so on and so forth. And they just looked at each other. Jose's wife looked at the lawyer, the lawyer's wife and said, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And she goes, yes, I am. So she just looked at me and she do, she said, do you want to be Jose's tour manager? So this came out of the blue. I didn't know that outside they'd fired his tour manager because he'd been late and it hadn't turned up and so on and so forth. So I just looked at them and they said, in three days, we'll be leaving for a four-week tour of South America, starting in Colombia and then going to Ecuador, Bolivia, uh, uh, Brazil, and Argentina. And throughout my life, I've always made decisions and I've always tried to say yes rather than no. So I just looked at them and I said, yes, I'm going. So three days later, I was in South America in the music business as a tour manager, totally tone deaf and didn't know one word of Spanish, not even the word <laughs> Hola. So, so, so the secret is the guy, the guy in the band, Bobby Conti, who's quite a famous percussion player. He said from New York, he's Italian. He goes, "Yo, Andy, keep your mouth shut 
and you'll fool a lot of people. So for the first, which is tough for me, of course, but for the first week I said nothing. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they assumed I knew everything. But anyway, I, I worked it out. It's common sense. And my main role, of course, was to take care of Jose and, and make sure that the contracts, you know, that we got paid and, you know, that the sound was good. And so we, we had a team and we did it. And I did that for four and a half years and went all over the world with Jose and uh, did some amazing events. You know, we did a, a $5,000 plate dinner for Ronald Reagan. And I met a bunch of very famous people there. I We performed for the King and Queen of Norway. I met them. We performed for the Emperor of Japan. We, I, you know, met them. Um, did a lot of lot of fun things in a lot of different countries, and then uh, probably about six months before I finished, I think it was 1989 actually. <clears throat> it was a prelude to the Gulf War, and uh, Jose is also a very patriotic person. So um, he uh, he heard that a lot of the stars were going to the Middle East, um, to, like Jay Leno, to you know to entertain the troops because the troops were massing, but they, the war hadn't started yet. And Jose said, no, I don't want to go there. I want to go to Korea. And I said, why? And he goes, because it's the forgotten place. We've got 30,000, 40,000 troops there and nobody knows. So his manager organized it and we went. But you can't go without getting permission from the Pentagon. So um, you get a, a rank. So he was a, a general for two weeks. I was a colonel. And for that reason, you can use those <laughs> protocols traveling. So, so to cut a long story short, we did three or four big concerts in Korea. And then we went up to the DMZ. And we went into that area where you can only be invited by the, the Pentagon to go in. And I went in the room where they signed their armistice. And there's a, there's a line through the middle of the room. And it goes over the table. And I was standing on one side. And on the other side is North Korea. So I had an American soldier just to the right of me standing three feet away from a North Korean shoulder, soldier just looking at each other. And... It was amazing. The, the atmosphere, it, it gave me goosebumps and does to this day. So I felt quite honored that, that I did get the opportunity to go there and experience what these soldiers do, because it's a very dangerous job is to be based in the DMZ, of course. So uh, I'm very yeah, glad that I went and also very proud. Yes. Yeah, you should be so proud. I mean, that's just an amazing uh, thing to be able to go see. All of us sit and wonder what it's like there and just have no clue. But before I let you go, there's someone who you used to play soccer with, who's calling, and we're going to bring him on right now to say hello to you. It's a little surprise. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Hi, Steve Helmich. How are you? <laughs> hello. How are you? <laughs> Andy, it's Steve Helmich. Hey, Steve. How are you? Good, Andy. How about yourself? Very good. I, uh, are you still living in Orange County? I am. South Orange County. Been here, you know, the whole time since you know, the surf day. Wow. Well, Steve's younger than me and he's a goalie or he was a goalie. So, uh, <laughs> right. it takes a very, it, take, no, it takes a very special breed to be a goalkeeper. When I say that, you have to be a little crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but Steve was, all, know about that. <laughs> no, Steve was, Steve was a great goalie and a great guy. It's been, I think it's been 35 years since I've spoken to you probably. It has been, yeah. I think I was what nineteen twenty when when I started yes. to surf. Yep. And you right. were still what? Were you in your late twenties or something? No, I was fourteen <laughs> at the time. No, no, I was, yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was like I was twenty six or something like that. Yeah, so we're fairly uh, close in age. Yeah. Steve, do yeah, you have any? Do you, 
Do you have stories um, about Andy and you guys playing together or something that stands out in your mind? Well, what stands out in my mind was I was very young when I started, 19. Those guys were a little bit older than me, but they had the lay of the land, and it was like these little puppies following following these guys around. You know, there's probably a group of six or seven of them, and it was just a blast just following these guys and, and being a part of, you know, the soccer life. It was a fantastic uh, lifestyle at the time. Now, and just had a blast doing it. What's that? Steve, how long did you play for them? Uh, the surf was only a couple years, I think, and then the and then the club folded, and then yeah. I went to the MISL for I don't know, another two or three years, and that was kind of the end of my career. Yeah, came home. Yeah. Go ahead. Came home and then I uh, realized I probably should get a regular job and. Uh, you know, settle down a little bit, and, and that was the end of it. So I played, you know, I played till I was about maybe 35 or so. And um, at that, right about that time, kids were, I don't know, maybe six and seven. Um, and, you know, I just didn't have the time anymore to commit to anybody. It was only semi-pro and couldn't commit to the, you know, training and games and that sort of thing and then kind of, fell away from soccer from there. Ended up playing roller hockey for several years, believe it or not. Wow. <clears throat> That's so that was cool. a lot of fun. I, yeah, I didn't know that yeah. you played roller hockey. Now I have a question for both of you, and maybe one of you can answer this. Why do they call it football in Europe and then it's soccer here? I, I know there's something behind it, but can you guys tell us? Well, for the very reason, like in England, you use your feet. You know, it's yes. all originated with your feet, passing with your feet. I mean, if you look at the two, you can see why one is called the other. You know, football in, in uh, Europe, or, uh, yeah, football in Europe, and then football here, it's still, you know, you're still uh, uh, distinguishing playing with your feet. Yeah, you that's know? true. That's good. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I just was- I was wondering, because I'm thinking, now, how do I introduce Andy? Do I introduce him as a football player or soccer? Because he was both. (laughs) You know, the question is, how did they come up with soccer, the name soccer? Yes. You know? You're right. That's the question. It's a good one. Yes. Very true. Very true. I want to say it's been, it was such a fun, it was so fun back in those days knowing everybody. And obviously, I think, Steve, you know, I still keep in touch with Karen. And she's been out here visiting it supposed to be coming out again really soon. So I want to thank her for getting you to call in today because I said, oh, oh I sure. hope you can call in and say hi to Andy. That's so cool you did and take the time to uh, say hello. Well, like, totally- he, like he said, it's been several years, um, probably about 15 years after the uh, the club folded. I, ju- I bumped into Jimmy, Paul. I mean, uh, yeah, yes. Jimmy Hinge, Peter Wald, Paul. Um I haven't seen Lori since those days. And, uh, you know, I kept in touch with those guys for a little while, and then everybody just kind of disappeared. Do you know where any of those guys are anymore? Yeah, they. Uh, Jimmy Hinch lives in the south of France, and Paul Cahill, oh, yeah? um, he, he's, uh, he's in the egg business. He's the egg man. He's in Santa Ana. Oh, he's still doing that, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, and Laurie Abrahams is still working at uh, Irvine 
college. And uh, who else is there? There's, there's a few of the guys around. I don't get to see them very often, uh, not as much as uh-huh. I'd like. But the, the North American Soccer League is having a Hall of Fame induction in, in September in, in, I think it's Frisco, Texas. I hope that's the right town. I don't have the date, but I think I'm going to go in for that. So a bunch of these old guys, and you know what happens? You, you, you get excited and you get there and you don't recognize anyone and no one recognizes you. And <laughs> these are these your, your old teammates. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but how many years has it been? I mean, what is that? Uh, what? When, when were we playing? Okay, 95? So it was earlier than that? 81. So 91. So yeah, I'm talking like 30, 37 years. So or, or, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, less than that. But you know, <laughs> well over 30 years since I retired. So. No. Uh-huh. How long did yeah, you no. continue playing after the surf? Well, I I played a total of 12 years. So after the surf, no, that was pretty much towards the end when I played for the surf. So I went to Pittsburgh, oh, okay. and then um, uh-huh. I did did some kind of like semi-pro stuff, which I don't really count. Uh-huh. But I did that for a year or two, and then uh, that was it. So. Yeah. It was fun though. It was a yeah, lot of I fun. met some. I, I oh, it was. It. I met some great guys. Uh, it was a blast. Wouldn't change. Wouldn't change it for the world. You know. Yes. Not a lot of people can say. You, you know, not a lot of people can say, "Oh, I did this." You know, play pro sports and to say that I did it, or even you know, for a short period of time, it was a a great time, great atmosphere, great people, and had a blast. Yes, that's true. And you know the funny thing is, sometimes you'll be out having dinner with friends, and I go, "Well, Andy used to play professional soccer, so obviously you get older. <laughs> you're not as skinny uh-huh. as you used to be." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so in the old days, they'd go, "Oh yeah, sure you did." You know, they they you know they they pretend that they believe you, but I can tell by the attitude they're like, "This guy's lying." So the nice thing is, yeah. they go, "Oh, is that true?" Well, let me Google you, and then they go, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." So, Thank God for you, for Google. Now they actually believe us. <laughs> yeah. well, I think you both come up on Google, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, I think, I, think I, I have the name them. in uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, you Wikipedia. Did? Under yeah. the surf uh, category. I, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. your guys' yeah. names are in there. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Well, listen, I'm going to connect you to... After the show, I'll send you um, a message, and um, I'll send uh, Karen Andy's number so you guys can keep connected and uh, maybe go to that reunion together or something or meet up there. So I'll make sure that you That would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was so cool that you called in. Oh, absolutely. Andy, it's it's really good talking to you again. I mean, uh, um, I'm glad to hear everything's going, going okay and... Everything's going great. I work for one of the biggest medical companies in the United States. Um, I was called BD, Beckton Dickinson, and I still coach soccer. I, I have a son oh, yeah? who's 10 yeah. years old. I have a 10-year-old, believe oh, it or yeah. not. So, um, uh-huh. yeah, so I coach, yeah, I coach his team, mm-hmm. Southwest Soccer Club. So um, I'm busy between work and, and coaching the kid, which is tough when you've got bad knees like I do at my, at my age. But I do my best. What can I say, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Occasionally, I will I think about, oh, I'm going to get back into soccer and playing goal. And then a couple times, I'll like 
fall on the ground and go, no, I don't think this is for me anymore. My body just <laughs> yeah. cannot take it. <laughs> but you know why? And then I wonder, how the hell did I get it back then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very tough. You know that goalkeeping is, is a it's a heartless job. You, Donna, when you play forward, you can miss 10 chances and score the 11th. You're a hero. But you're a goalie. Yeah. You make 10 awesome saves. You make one mistake and you're the GOAT. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a it's a thankless job, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I agree, 100%. But you guys were fun to watch. That's what I can tell you for sure. I went to the game, yeah. and what a good time it was back then in the late 70s and early 80s. We all just had such a blast. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank yeah. you guys for so much entertainment, too. I mean, honestly, it was it was good, good fun, and appreciate that you guys uh, – are still out there and willing to talk about your experiences. It means everything. So, um, so Steve, still alive I'm go and kicking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we all are. Listen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve, thanks so much for calling in, and I'll get that number to you so you guys can keep in touch. Thank you. All right. All right thanks, thanks, Andy. Steve. Take care. Thanks, Steve. Take care, buddy. Oh, that was so cool. Oh, that was a real treat because Steve was, was a really, I mean, he is a great guy, but he, he was one of the really yeah. cool guys that we played with. He was always fun to be around and positive. And, you know, when you're playing in sports, it's all about having confidence and positive, you know, positive attitudes as far as I'm concerned. So um, oh, Steve is definitely one of those he, players. Yeah, yes. still yeah, I still keep in touch with his wife or ex-wife, um, Karen. As a matter of fact, she was just out here last year. She's coming out again this year. Just just a sweetheart, just good people and raised two beautiful children. And um, I, I'm so glad that he was able to call in. I know he was working today, she said. So he took the time to make that call. He said he has to call at this time, so I know it's him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, maybe Andy, I'll well, see listen, him in- thank you so, yeah. so much. And I want everybody to know that it's not the last we've heard of you because we have discussed possibly you coming on again. And um maybe in the near future having your own show, uh, what, you know, when your schedule allows it. But I would really love okay. that. And I think everybody else would like that too. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, take care of that beautiful family of yours, and I will be talking to you really soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Donna. And I thank you for having me on, and I really appreciate it. Oh, all right, Andy. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Everyone, I want to thank you for tuning in today, and I want to thank the people that listen around in other countries, um, especially Greece and Italy and France and Germany. We have a lot of followers there and listeners, so thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it, and I hope that all of you will tune in uh, Wednesday. I have another great guest. I think I have a guest. We have a show every day this week, people. So look for it on Facebook under the Lions Radio Network, and you'll be able to catch all our shows there. And if you want to listen to this one again or share it with someone else, you can go to iHeartRadio. We are on iHeart. We are on iTunes. You can download us. Everything's under the Lions Radio Network. All our shows are there. They're individualized and categorized. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a great day.